Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Who's Your Band podcast. Uh, I am joined today by my beautiful co-host, Sean Morton. How are you, Sean? I am wonderful. I am here with my buddy, Jeff, and one of my favorite guitar players on the planet. So how could I not be in a great mood today? And that guitar player happens to be former Anthrax uh, member, um, current Volbeat member, guitarist Rob Caggiano. How are you, Rob? I'm good, man. I'm good. Right off the Batman question, how does a guy from the Bronx wind up in this Danish band? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know if you've heard this. I'm, I'm sure you must have heard the story before. But, yeah, I mean, I've been friends with the guys since probably 2010, I guess. Um, I was doing a band called The Damn Things, you know, back then with Scott Ian. And, uh, Love them. Patrolman. That whole gang and uh, yeah, Volby took us on the road. They, they gave us a shot and took us on tour, and that's kind of how how the relationship started. How you know, I met the guys, we became friends instantly, and the rest is history, pretty much. See, and the thing I love about um, seeing that success is, I uh, you know, I've talked about this before on, on this show, but you really you don't give a shit. But I was in a band back in the day, so back in the day, we would always go to these local shows. Now I'm from Jersey. So the first time I ever saw you perform was with Boiler Room. Okay. So that's going right. back 20, what, 20, year, 20 years? Uh, yeah, something, something like that. It would have been and around. that was kind of like during that whole new metal phase that, that rock and metal was going through. Right. But um, it was just so cool seeing that scene blow up. You know, there were so many great bands that came out of that scene. Uh, you know, you guys, El Nino, the Step Kings, um, all this local New York, New Jersey-based bands. Bringing back a lot of memories. <laughs> I, right? Right? Like, I had the connection with El Nino and the Step Kings because in my rehearsal studio, we shared the back wall. Okay. So, like, they would always get pissed off at me because they were, like, crammed into this tiny little 10 by 10 room with two bands. And I had this monstrous loft behind us for a no-name shit band from New Jersey. Right. So they would always bust my balls. So what I would do is when I knew the Step Kings were playing in there, I would start playing one of their riffs on the guitar and they would start banging on the freaking wall saying, that's our fucking song, you know, just to get... <laughs> but uh, that scene was so amazing, man. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Liz, did you go to school for recording engineering? No. So what, 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 no. what was the first band that you actually went into to record? Oh, I mean, that's an interesting question. I've always kind of been, I don't know. I, I was always really intrigued and infatuated with like recording studios and gear and stuff like that. So when I was, when I was younger, I used to work at a music store. Um, Which music Yonkers. store? It's, it's in Yonkers, New York. It's actually spelled with a Z, M-U-Z-I-C. <laughs> the music store. And uh, yeah, a lot of times I would, I would, um, not take a paycheck. I would just kind of work for gear and I would just take some gear home and I, I put a little studio together. Smart. You know, you know like, like, uh, back then it was, uh, you know, ADATs, task cam stuff. And sure. Put a little, little rig together. And I, I started, you know, recording some of my own ideas and then all, that led to recording some of my friends, like local bands and stuff like that. Um, and it just kind of got, you know, more and more, uh, involved from there. And, um, I ended up recording the Boiler Room demo that actually ended up getting us a record deal. And 
you know, we ended up making a record and a lot of people, we, we ended up making a record out in LA with a producer and a lot of people actually were, were into the demos more. So that kind of mm. is what really, you like know, put me, on, put me on that path, you know, gave, gave me the spark to really, to really do that. And I, you know, the first, uh, I don't even know, the first real thing we did probably was, cause it was all kind of happening at the same time when I joined Anthrax. Um, I told the guys, you know, they were about to do a record and I told them, look, let me, give me a shot, you know, give us a shot. Let's, let's produce, uh, let's produce one track, see how it goes. And we did that. Uh, the song was called superhero actually at the time. Great song. Cool. Thanks. And it came out really good. And that was it. We ended up uh, doing the whole record. It was me my partner, Eddie wall and uh, my other partner, Steve Regina. And we had a company called scrap 60. Yep. And we just, uh, yeah, we were cranking out records from that day on. We were cranking out records like crazy. I didn't so, realize that you recorded the two El Nino CDs as well. Yeah, that was, uh, I was involved in the mix of the first one. Okay. Um, but it was really my partner, Eddie, that recorded the okay. other records. I was kind of around, you know, it, it ended up getting so crazy that we, we started, you know, doing records together, like all three of us, um, and it, it ended up getting so crazy that we had to split up and, you know, we were just doing too much, too much work. So we had uh, multiple studios going, you know, it was, it was, that was a crazy time. It was fun, but it was a crazy time. Let's go back for a second. Um, growing up, you grew up in the Bronx, right? Half of the Bronx, half Yonkers, yeah. Okay. Uh, what first got you into music and who did you listen to? Who were like your early influences? I just did this, uh, this interview for the for the ACDC's Back in Black uh, anniversary uh, recently, and I, I talked about this. But the first record I got as a kid was ACDC Back in Black. It's a great uh, album for first guy. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty lucky in that sense. I guess that's it's like the ultimate rock album, for, you know, for me. Um, yeah, and it's just one of those things. It still stands the test of time. I put it on all the time. Uh, when I'm working on records, I'm working with different people, and I'm. Because I, I bounce around a lot from studio to studio, and I'm you know never really in one one spot, so that's a great record because I know it so well to to really like get familiar with the room and test speakers and all that kind of stuff. So that's cool. Um, yeah, that's that's like the first record that uh, that got me started on this. And how, how old were you when you picked up a guitar? Well, <laughs> I was probably five. Really? Uh, yeah, my dad was really supportive with the whole music thing, and. Uh, He's a he's a music lunatic himself. He actually named me after Bobby Darren, but no shit. Yeah, so so I had a I had a little guitar. I think it was like four or five, and obviously I couldn't play. I was just banging around on it. But, oh yeah. Um, Did you take lessons? Uh, yes and no. When I was nine years old is when I really started to to take the guitar seriously, and it's, it's it, it, I guess it was around or shortly after the time when I heard that that ACDC record, and then. Uh, I think within a week or so apart, I heard Van Halen, Van Halen one. So that, that, that's what did it, you know, those two albums right there. Um, but I was around nine years old and, uh, yeah, I mean, I took, a, I took a few lessons, um, you know, the Mel Bay books and all that stuff and oh, yeah. learning, uh, jingle bells and this and that. It was cool. The first real song I learned, um, was Jumpin' Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones and then, uh, yesterday by the Beatles and uh, that was cool I mean I think I think both of those songs 
again, I'm lucky. Both of those songs are great and, you know, for many different reasons. And, and uh, I guess kind of made me appreciate certain things about, about songwriting and stuff, you know. Did well, that's one thing player. I wanted to ask you, too, about what, what I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. So yeah. you have your producer hat on and you go into a different mindset, right? So like now when you're re- producing and also writing for your band, do you have to go into a different mindset, like walking into the studio as the producer and then as a songwriter as well? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit different, but it's also something I'm really used to at this point because I've been doing it for a long time. Um, but it is... Uh, it's it's a bit tricky to navigate that kind of thing because on one end on one hand you're you're a band member you're you're in the band and then at the on the other side of it you gotta like um you know it's all about having a vision and overseeing stuff and and uh yeah it can it can cause cause friction too sometimes you know so mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a tricky thing but I'm used to it. When you're like, producing somebody yeah. else's record, do you provide a lot of input? When I'm Producing someone producing else's some, record. If you're producing somebody else's record, say like if you're when you're doing like the Dry Kill Logic record, right? Do you do you go in there and they they show you they they record the demo and stuff like that? Do you throw your two cents in to try and tweak the songs a little bit? One thousand percent. Yeah. Great. I mean, I'm I'm extremely hands on, and uh, you know when when I need to be, you know, it's it's the, the whole thing with producing records is, um, you know, I, I've always been under the uh i've always believed that you know every record should be different every band should be different every you know back in the day if you listen if you listen to maiden or if you listen to number of the beast or back in black or van halen uh you know diver down or something like all those records had their own their own vibe and their own their own you know distinct sound and another interesting thing too i say all the time like if you take any of those classic records and kind of imagine them without the vocals you still know who the hell you're listening to oh yeah it's a distinct you know what sound I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there, there's less of that these days, you know, with, with you know, production techniques and you know, pro tools and all this stuff. I mean, um, I think, I think things can very easily get homogenized and, and, um, very samey sounding, you know what I mean? So, sure. uh, yeah, for me, it's like whatever the song needs, that's what we do. Whatever the band needs, that's what we do. And I always try to try to make each record its own unique statement because i think that's really important each each album is kind of like almost like a reflection of the way the band is at that period in time and i guess that's a really good that's a really good point (laughs) yeah because when you hear like early van halen and when you compare say the first album to uh 1984 the the last album you know the last album with with, uh david lee roth uh, you hear the progression of the band. You can hear how the influence of the times kind of changes them a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you, with your, what's your process in songwriting? Are you, are, are you music first and then lyrics, or lyrics then music, or you know, is it interchangeable? I mean, I do, I do both. Uh, you know, the lyric stuff I usually end up doing more so when I'm when I'm working with other artists. Um, when I'm, when I'm producing other records for other people and stuff. But um, for me, when I'm, when I'm writing my own stuff, it's, it's uh, a lot of times it, it's, it's the music first or it might start with a riff or, or sometimes in my head it starts with a drum beat. And I also play drums. Um, but you so, play, not only do you play drums, you play guitar, bass, 
keyboards. I mean, how, how, how do you fucking do all that? I, it, 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 took, it, it took me years to learn to play four chords to play zombie on the guitar. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, it's just, for me, it's just like, uh, they're just tools, you know? It, it, I don't even think about it. Um, I'm not really a music theory guy at all. I don't really know what the hell I'm doing. I mean, I hear all this stuff, and I could, I could do a lot of the stuff that I'm that I'm hearing in my head. But what it's called, I don't know. I, I don't really when care you, to be honest. When you write, when you write, you hear it in your head. Isn't that what yeah. Brian Wilson did when he when he wrote songs? I'm pretty sure that's what he did. Like he heard yeah, I mean, it. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people. Uh, I think it works like that with a lot of with a lot of creative people. Um, you know, it all starts with a vision. It, Again, every for me, every every song, every every idea is totally different and comes comes about in a totally different way. So, it could be a drum beat that I'm that I'm grooving on, or it could be a bass line. You know, like a catch. Sometimes sometimes a catchy bass line could really spark a lot of a lot of cool ideas. So, um, uh, sometimes I'll I'll write on acoustic guitar rather than the electric because that also. <clears throat> you know, lends itself to different, like a different way of thinking about things and different, different way of, uh, you know, certain, certain ideas just pop out differently on an acoustic guitar than they would on an electric sure. guitar. So I think Queen's Reich used to do that too. They used to write a lot of their electric stuff on, uh, on, uh, acoustic as well. Right. That was a technique right. yeah. that Chris Grama used to do. Yep. Does inspiration just hit you? Or do you have to, are you structured where you say, okay, we're going to sit, we're going to get together in the, in the uh, studio at this time. And then you sit and you brainstorm ideas. You know, again, I think every, every situation is different. Um, for me personally, ideally it's, it's all about, you know, being inspired and being in the right mindset. And uh, that a lot of times you can't really force I mean, you can force it, but I just, I feel like stuff comes out better when it's, when it's totally inspired and totally at the right moment. And, and, uh, you know, again, that, that can happen at any hour of the day for me, you know? So, so when something all, hits you, do you, do you have a, uh, your phone with you at all times that you're going to jot it down? Like, I, cause Sean and I are both comedians and like when something happens and we see something, I always used to either have like a, a recorded device or I always have a piece of paper and a pen with me. And as soon as yeah. I see something, I'll write it down because you don't want to lose that inspiration. Right. Yeah, I do. I, I record little ideas and I hum little, little melodies and stuff on my phone all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's, that's actually a really cool thing. Tommy Lee did that when he was in jail. He would call his answering machine and he would sing into his answering machine. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's, a great that's a great idea. I so want to talk about one show in spe specifically now. Uh, being Growing up from the Bronx, first of all, I hope you're a Yankee fan, number one. Yes. Okay, yeah. thank you, because Jeff, Jeff's a Mets fan and I, I hate him for that reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the reason why he hates me. There's multiple reasons, but that's close to the top. Um, the Big Four show. I'm just going to ask about that. Yep. Growing up in the Bronx, being a Yankee fan, now being in all these bands, you're playing guitar, you're playing in all the other bands before that, you'd start making it, you join Anthrax, right? What kind of feeling is that to play at Yankee Stadium? For me, it was unbelievable. It was crazy. It was completely over the top. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I was also a baseball, baseball player when I was a kid. Um, you know that. Little, little league and, and 
I, I loved it. I was, you know. What high school did you go to? Gordon Prep in the Bronx. Oh yeah, yeah. I know Jesuit school. school. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I went to St. I went to St. Peter's Prep, another Jesuit school as well. Oh, okay. I we didn't play baseball. Play. I ran and caught the bus. We used to play right. against Ford and Prep in uh, football. Yep. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Um, so, what is you've you've had shows where you've played like you know in front of hundreds of thousands of people at festivals and things of that nature, but how nervous were you for that show? Now, this is one of those shows in my life that I really can punch myself in the dick for missing because I had to work. Okay, right. I had to work. I missed two shows that I I, I am forever going to be pissed off about. That's the one, and when Damage Plan played at Starland Ballroom uh, four days before Dimebag was shot. I missed that show as well, to watch a wrestling pay-per-view. And wow. you missed the, pris- the Prince concert. And Prince, well, yeah, That's it's another story itself. But what kind of... Um, I, I just... I, it's such a weird feeling for me, because like I, I know uh, you had to be in a different mindset that day. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you know, if, for me, and I think any other musician will say will, will say the same thing. You know, the hometown shows are always the most stressful because sure. that's you know all the family members and friends and you know people you haven't talked to in twenty years. They want to come in, come to the show and get on the guest list and all the stuff. You know, it's 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 pretty stressful. So that day was extremely stressful, um, probably more so than usual, um, just because of how big that show was. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's not like a nervous thing. It's just, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of adrenaline. Um, you know, for me, you know, one of my, one of my dreams, you know, from when I was a a little kid was to play Madison Square Garden. I still have never played Madison Square Garden. However, I did, did play Yankee Stadium. So that actually might even trump. I I think he kind of, I think he kind of got that (laughs) one. beat does. When you're in the, when you're in that big four, uh, tour, did you get a chance at any time to jam with the guys from Metallica? Every night. You were on stage with them at, and played together. I mean, I every, missed that tour also. Every night. Uh, that was one of the that was one of the coolest things um, about the, about the show was, you know, towards the end of the Metallica set, they would call up all the other band members from from the other bands, and we would we would jam. We did like "Am I Evil," you know, stuff like that. And uh, it was it was epic. It was incredible. Really, really amazing experience. Yeah, great memories. <laughs> so, so you you leave Anthrax, and that was what in two thousand three. When I joined Anthrax, you mean? You joined Anthrax two thousand three. Yeah, and then you go in to produce this Volbeat record, right? So you did. Um, was it Outlaws? Outlaws is the first one that you that you did, right? Yeah, yeah. Outlaw gentlemen, shady ladies. Yeah. I always, uh, I have a friend who I've been going to concerts with for you know twenty five years, and we had this ongoing joke that I had to bring up to you, and we called it the Caggiano effect. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a true story. It's a true story. Um, we're diehard Anthrax fans, and for me, I always preferred the John Bush era. Okay. Over the Belladonna era. But when you joined the band, the sound changed, and it changed in a better way. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't gonna. Well, I wasn't you. gonna throw you under the bus with this one. Okay. Um, 
No, even with worship music, the sounds were completely different than the other records. So when you're coming into Volby, now Volby was one of those bands that, you know, kind of stayed under the radar for a little while. If, if I mean, my opinion, I saw them out uh, in Vegas, I think it was 2008 or so, opening for Metallica with Machine Head. Right. And they were the opening band. I think it was right when uh, the, the the cover, Only Want to Be With You, was really catching steam. You know what I mean? And I can remember watching them going, this band's going to be fucking gigantic. You know, they <laughs> it was that circular band, circular stage. And yeah. everybody was just really frigging into it. And they had a very distinct sound. And then you come over into the Outlaws record. And I felt like the sound shifted. And again, in a great way. Now, did you, you. Um, did you do a lot of writing on that album? I did uh, a little bit. I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, that was, that was the first thing, you know, we, we had done together. So I mean, obviously I was, I was new to the, whole, to the whole thing. But, you know, we, we vibed a lot. Michael and I vibed a lot. And, and we ended up collaborating on, on a couple of things. Uh, I think the first song we, we jammed on together was uh, Lonesome Rider, actually. Okay. How different is it going from uh, Anthrax to Volbeat? Do you have more creative input into the band? Do you, when you when you join a band that's already established, like Volbeat was, you know, they, those guys were together for a little bit. Do you have to kind of like take a back seat and you know you're a little like you're the new guy, so you're shy? Like you know, wh how do you make that transition? I mean, it was it was pretty seamless. You know, like I said, we we were all friends for for. Uh, you didn't feel weird. weird at all. Um, no, not at all. I mean, people ask me all the time, like stylistically, like guitar playing wise, if, if it was, uh, you know, how different is it to play with Volbeat than Anthrax or whatever. But for me, it's just, it's like, you know, I never even thought about any of that. It's just, I do what I do. And it, it seems to, it seems to work really well with, with Volbeat. And, you know, it's just the way I approach the instrument, I, I think complements what those guys are doing and vice versa. You know what I mean? I just think it's a, we, we kind of play off each other. They've been one of those bands that always has a very, and this is one of my favorite things in the world. Jeff knows this. I love cover songs. I'm a huge fan of cover songs. Now they do yep. Only Want to Be With You, uh, My Body, uh, oh, yeah. Battle, Battleship Change. I, mean, I never would have ever thought anybody would cover a Georgia, Thunder, uh, <laughs> Georgia Satellite that's a song. great, great cover. Right. So yeah, here's that's my, a great tune. Here's my question to you, though. The, the band comes to you and says, we're going to do another cover for the next record. We want you to pick it. What song do you pick? Great question. Man, there's so many. There's so many. So I have a suggestion for you, but I want to hear what you <laughs> say. Give it to me. I want, and I wanted to cover this song for many years, but we were just not talented. Uh, Pressure by Billy Joel. That's a great fucking song. I'm a huge now, Billy Joel fan. I want liner <laughs> credits. I want liner credits if this shows up on the next Volby record. I want a shout out. I, I always thought it had such a chunk that that synthesizer riff would be so amazing if it was just dropped down and just really chunky and heavy. And I think yeah. Michael would fucking murder that song. That's oh, a yeah, great, yeah. great, great one. I think you should start Good working idea. on it personally. <laughs> so what would, what would you think? If you had to pick one, what would you pick? I don't know, maybe, maybe a Priest song or, uh, I mean, Priest is always fun. Actually, we were with Bobby when I first joined. I remember we were playing a Priest song. Oh, and for Leather? No. That's probably my favorite. What the hell were we playing? It was Breaking the Law. I think we might have been Breaking the Law. 
Nice. I will tell you, out of this whole uh, COVID situation, I had 18 concert tickets. And the one I think that mostly bummed was the uh, Volby Clutch Show on the Pier 17 rooftop. Yep. What are you guys, we uh, how are you guys that. handling having the tour cancel? And, and what are you guys doing in the free time at this time? It sucks. I mean, obviously, we all would, would rather be out there playing. But at the same time, I, I think I think everyone kind of really needed a reset. The entire planet, really. <laughs> I, I <laughs> you agree know? 100%. I've been saying that since freaking February. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, I'm enjoying the, the, the break, spending a lot of quality time with, with the family and stuff like that. And, and uh, it's been cool. I've been doing a lot, of, a lot of writing, a lot of playing. You know, laying low, not nothing... Uh, Nothing crazy. I'm in New York, so obviously you know we we got hit really bad. But now it's yeah. it's a lot better. We're opening up, and um, but still, you know, things are definitely weird. Everyone's still afraid of each other when you when you go anywhere. You know, it's it's bizarre. It's going to be weird for a long time. But it's it's so weird. Now, would you guys consider doing one of those like drive-in shows that some of the bands are doing now? I don't know. I mean, at this point it's impossible because those guys are there in Denmark. I'm, I'm here. None of us can travel. It's all, everything's crazy. So you guys linked um, up on zoom to do like writing sessions and stuff like that. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, I've been doing, doing a lot of writing here. They're, they've been doing a lot of writing there. You know, um, they, they have a bunch of songs that they mapped out already. Um, I have a bunch of ideas here, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how everything, everything pans out. But, uh, yeah. That's, that's something we never really did, the whole Zoom no. Zoom writing session thing. I give them a lot of credit for staying in Denmark. You would have thought that with, with all the success, they would have moved over here at this point. <laughs> I don't think that'll ever happen. Really? <laughs> Especially now much. with what's going on here. Oh, yeah, definitely. What have you been listening to? Like when you're, you're now you have all this downtime and you're with your family and you go in your car and you're driving around to pick up something. You know, what, do you, what, do you, what does uh, Rob listen to these days? I'm a, I'm definitely a music junkie and I, you know, I listen to a wide range of different stuff. So, you know, for me, it's like, I go in phase. Um, I was really into uh, a lot of like, I guess, I guess it makes sense, but you know, right at the start of this whole pandemic, I was really into a lot of extreme, extreme metal stuff. Okay. Um, you know, bands like that, there's a band called Ulcerate, their new album is, is amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's just stuff like that. So I, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of extreme metal stuff, but also, um, I guess the last month or so, I haven't listened to any extreme stuff. I'm more into like, um, there's a, there's a genre, I guess they're calling it synth wave where it's, it's kind of, it's kind of inspired by like a lot of eighties pop, okay. but it's like, it's like these, these newer artists doing, doing the sound. And I think it's awesome. There's a band called the midnight that I really love. Hmm. Really great songs. Um, I'm always so into finding something really cool what, and different. What might what might be on your playlist that people wouldn't expect you to have on your playlist? I don't know. You know, again, like I, just like I listen to a lot of extreme stuff, I listen to a lot of a lot of pop stuff too. It just depends on the mood and and uh, you know, music is like it's, it should be the soundtrack to people's lives. So whatever's going on at the time, you know, Agreed. that's kind of that's kind of how I how I view it, but. Um, I like the new Miley Cyrus song. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that we wouldn't expect it to say. 
I always say yeah. I pray to God that I never, ever, ever die in a car accident because if they ever get my iPhone, they're going to think I'm a complete sociopath <laughs> yeah, by, the, yeah. by the music that's on my phone because yeah, I, yeah. Go all, I go all over the You're place. You're all too. over the place. Yeah. I just found a new band today that I never heard of, the, uh, the Black Pumas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of them. They're so freaking good. I, ne- I never heard of them, and, and I, I go on a kick, too. If I find something new, that's all I'm going to be playing for, like, the next seven days. It's going to be ridiculous, but... I, you know, I find, um, you know, when you're doing writing for like a hard rock band, did you ever want to just want to sit down with somebody like Pink and just shoot the shit and just try and really work on a killer song with somebody completely out of your wheelhouse? I would love that. I love Pink too. I think she's, she's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that would be a lot of fun, of course. Pink Who's up. the one person that you've worked with that no one would ever imagine that you worked with? There's two, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's right. Did you go in the studio and produce something with him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he invited us. He invited us to his house in, in uh, Rumson, New Jersey, which it's like his studio house. He owns many houses, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> this was his, his studio house, and where he does mo- you know pretty much all of his stuff these days. And yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. Great, great experience. Great guy. What a great guy. I uh, I toured with him a little bit. Yeah, he is. He's awesome. Yep. Um, and the other one is Brian, Brian Johnson from ACDC. No shit. Yep. That, well, that was going to be my other question for you. You know, that, you, you know you've, you've reached this, this level of success and you've, you've, you've been exposed to a lot of things. Did you, did you, was there an idol that you had that you got to meet, whether it be music or otherwise? Oh, yeah. I've pretty, I've pretty much met all of my idols. Uh, except for Prince Bowie and, and Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> you know, I met Angus Young, uh, hung out with him one night in New York. This is years ago in the dressing room. And, and uh, at the time, I'm trying to remember what year it was. Might have been a stiff, stiff upper, upper lip tour or something like that, I guess. They played the Garden, and uh, I guess Angus was using a new amp or something that night. I don't totally remember, but we were talking about, you know, his guitar sound and, and this and, and he was just so like he really cared what I thought of his guitar sound which is completely insane to me <laughs> that's great but but yeah he was he was really cool um and that was the first time I met Brian actually too great guys really 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 funny guys how small you, are they how small what's that how small are they they're pretty small <laughs> what did you think of the whole of, of uh Axel filling in for ACTC did you get to see any of the shows? Well, the the crazy thing is, I, I don't know if you guys know, but I I work. I mean, you guys are comedians, so um, Jim Brewer. I actually produced the, the Jim Brewer album, and uh, yeah. I wrote pretty much all the music on it and and stuff like that. But Brian was 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 uh, singing on the record. We was was you know supposed to supposed to do a guest spot on the record, and uh, so I wrote a tune for him. It's called Mr. Rock and Roll. And uh, anyway, so we, we went down to Florida. I, I cut his vocals. I mean, that's an amazing story in and of itself. But um, that was uh, literally right before that whole thing happened with, with ACDC. And, and Brian was out and Axel was in. Like that whole weird, weird moment there. But yeah, that was that was the last thing he did before, before all that stuff happened. I mean, I think he's back now. 
from what I'm hearing. Which he is. is. It was so. I gotta tell you, I, I had gotten a friend of mine works for uh, the rock station up here in uh, WDHA in Jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, "You want to go see Axel perform?" Knowing that I'm a Guns N' Roses fanatic, it was one of the coolest and also most bizarre experiences I ever saw. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it was so cool that he could actually pull it off. But ACDC is one of those bands that, you know, Brian Johnson is such an integral part of that band. Oh, yeah. You know, and it, it was kind of like, uh, I don't want to say hearing like a, like a super group, but it was more of like a really fucking awesome cover band. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like having like a great band that have just like a fill-in singer. It was yeah. a, such a bizarre experience to watch as a fan of, of both bands. Right, right. Very strange. Wasn't there talk of him actually go, filling in permanently for ACDC or or at least taking it on the road for a couple of years? Like, to be honest, I don't really know. Uh, I was kind of boycotting that whole thing. Did you really? That's not really ACDC to me. Yeah. Um, but I did see videos you know, of him singing, singing the stuff. And he actually sounded really good. <laughs> I will um, tell you, we didn't stay for the whole show. Right. We didn't stay. Well, it's, for, in, we, it's interesting. We, uh, Volbeat, we played Coachella a few years ago. It's right when I guess, you know, Guns N' Roses got back together and they were doing these reunion shows and, and they were headlining the festival the same day. You know, we, we were headlining a different, like a smaller stage <laughs> and they were headlining, uh, the, you know, the main stage and we watched, or I, I watched, most of their show and then we had to leave but if i had known as soon as we left i guess they called angus on stage oh oh and, wow. uh, you know that would have been my chance to 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 hear that but yeah i, I missed it <laughs> hey rob how would you categorize uh volbeat's music i mean they're, they're not, yeah they're not just heavy metal right no it's a rock and roll band. it's a rock yeah, and roll. there's there's many I'm different trying to turn someone on to Vol- volbeat yeah, there's a lot of different influences. There's rock, there's punk, there's... Uh, like, would you say Rockabilly's in there too? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Radio Girls, almost like a, a, a heavy metal Rockabilly type of song. Yeah, I love that song. I will tell you, um, my two favorite tracks on the last record are definitely Pelvis on Fire and mm-hmm. uh, Die to Live. I think that they are just two totally different uh, tracks Mm-hmm. from that band from 10 years before did you um who, who, how is the writing process with with volby i've always wanted to know that like do you guys sit in a room and just jam shit out or does one person just come with an idea and you guys roll with it you know again it's like every 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 song i think comes comes about in its own way so you know there's no set formula and obviously i can only speak on the you know about the volby records that I was, I was a part of, but, um, the last album we did a quite a bit of jamming in, in the rehearsal room, a lot of pre-production, um, you know, hashing out ideas and arrangements and trying things and throwing things out and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and we ended up demoing a, a bunch of stuff as well before we actually went into the studio. Um, but yeah, again, every, every song comes about in a different way. Uh, a lot of times, you know, when I'm in Denmark, I'll, I'll put some demos of some ideas together in my hotel room. And, you know, I'll map out a whole song and then give it to the guys, see if they're, see if they dig it. If they do, then we'll work, you know, we'll work on it and uh, tweak it, change it, you know, whatever we want to do. Um, 
sometimes Michael will come in with just a riff and then we'll jam it, turn it into a song. Sometimes he comes in, comes in with a full song. You know, so it's like every, every song is, you know, has a different story, really. See, one, one of my biggest influences musically in my life was my mom and because uh, she was a huge country person. So my uncle was the other one who was the rock and the metal and stuff like that. And I had a very weird experience with my mom twice in my life. And it's been over the past five years. And okay. you were involved in it. And I hate Me? to say, yes, you were involved right. in it. Uh, we're driving one day and I'm in the car and I say to her, and I usually put on country for her and whatever. And she just looks over to me and she goes, can you play five finger death punch for me? So that's a little <laughs> friggin' weird when your mom's in her sixties and wants to hear that. So then the next right. experience is I have to take her car for an oil change. And uh, so being a good son that I am, I, I get to her car and I see in the passenger seat is your CD. Really? My mom is 71 years old. <laughs> and she is madly in love with your last record. Oh, wow. Like, that's awesome. like, it's the strangest thing. She's a cool chick. I will say this. And this is totally unrelated, but I'll, I you'll, understand, meet her. <laughs> you'll understand what kind of cool chick she was when I say this story. So she loved Godsmack. So we take her down to the, uh, the old showboat in Atlantic city. Mm-hmm. So at the time, uh, my friends were in a band called Dropbox, right? Oh yeah. I remember those guys. So it was El Nino, Dropbox and Godsmack. So I get down there and she's like, I can't wait to see Godsmack. And she loved voodoo, right? This is 20 years ago. She's all about voodoo, right? So we take her down there and she walks into the place and she's horrified because she doesn't realize she's never been to one of our shows where you're all standing. She's right. used to country shows where you have your little seat, your assigned seat, you sit there, no one yeah, stands yeah. up. So she goes, I, I can't stand for this whole time. So I had to get, the bass player from El Nino, Laz. Yeah. I said, I need a favor, dude. I said, I need a favor. What's up, bro? What do you need? My mom's here. I need a chair. Yo, get my, get my guy right over here. So now there's 1,200 people inside the House of Blues in Atlantic City watching Dropbox, El Nino, and Godsmack all standing around moshing with my mom sitting in a chair, all moshing around her. She's a cool chick. That's, that's amazing. But I she love that cannot story. she cannot get enough of that last CD, dude. She cannot get enough of it. Cool. Well, hopefully when this when this shit passes and you know we're back on back out on the road, you can bring it to a show. She was coming to the Pier 17 show. Okay. She was coming. I'll, 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 I'll get the chair ready for her. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you guys also uh set the headline PNC? Uh I don't no. know actually. I don't no. think so. I think, I think I think Pier 17 was the area show. Hmm. Yeah. That sucks. That was the first concert that I had gotten notification from from the COVID that was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I hate to say it, two of my favorite bands on one show. So I got double fucked out of this show. Did you see the Clutch uh, live stream concert they did from that their is, rehearsal? That is a, an amazing concept they're doing. And Jeff, I don't know if you know this, but you know, Clutch is this amazing band that Rob was touring with. Clutch. Okay, well, I have to ask because you're old. So, <laughs> so they're doing this whole. Rob, am, I, do, am I old, Rob? Am I you're old? Not old? You're not old. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're older than both of us. But um, so they're doing like a live stream concert thing, and now for like a hundred bucks, you get the show stream, you get a T-shirt, you get uh, a vinyl of the whole live stream as well. A hundred yeah. bucks for like a hundred bucks. 
sign me up. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great concept. I mean, I don't know, Rob. I think you should fly out to Denmark. <laughs> Mitch Callis is doing Soon something can, like that. That's very cool, though. So what's, what's this band? I haven't heard of them yet. Temple of the Black Moon. I want to hear about it. <laughs> that's, um, that's interesting you bring that up. Yeah, we, it's, it's, it's something I was doing. Um, I put it together years ago. You know, it was when I was still with Anthrax, um, uh, I'm sure you know the lineup. It's, it's uh, Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth, uh, King of Hell, ex Gorgoroth, um, John Tempesta from The Cult, who's one of my best friends. One of the, one of the greatest drummers to ever walk the face of the earth. Great. Yeah, band. I agree. I agree. Um, he, he was actually my roommate in L.A. when I when I when I lived in oh, L.A. Really? Yeah. So yeah, I, I love him, but. I mean, all these guys, they're, they're, they're friends of mine. Um, but it's, you know, it's something that, that we were putting together and uh, we have a, a ton of material, you know, already written. recorded yet. Uh, nothing officially recorded yet. Hmm. Um, we were, we were about to put that out and about to do something with that years ago. And then I got the Bullbeep gig and everything just got, you know, I just ended up getting way too busy, you know, with, of course. with stuff. Um, so the timing, the timing is weird, but, uh, yeah, eventually, eventually that's, uh, that's going to happen. One last thing I want to ask you, and this is kind of uh, being a semi-guitar player. I'm, I'm, I really suck. I'm, I'm horrible. But uh, how amazing is it to have your own signature guitar? It's awesome. It's, it's great. Uh, I love my new, my new Jackson Shadowcaster. I think it's a phenomenal guitar, and a lot of work went into it, you know, designing it and making sure everything was, was right took a while actually you know for me it was uh you know i had my own signature guitar with esp for years yep i, I, I was playing with those you know playing those guitars for a really long time and uh it was the the process was different because because that guitar was based on you know if i remember correctly it was based on an old horizon that i had gotten in like 96 and then we just kind of recreated that and tweaked it a little bit but I wasn't involved the way I was involved with this thing and, and, and uh, with, with the Jackson and like the whole process, it was a really huge learning experience for me. So much shit goes into this and, and it's stuff I never even thought about, you know, re really it's like, it's crazy. So we, we spent, um, spent a good year actually tweaking this guitar. Wow. Um, and yeah, we, we, I think we ended up with something that's phenomenal. I'm really proud of it. It's just, plays like butter sounds amazing I'm sorry. that's really cool man feels good <laughs> well i love seeing like a dude that i've seen so many different levels of success you know what i mean like freaking 2000 packy's pub in freaking woodbridge new jersey you know what i mean like shitty little dinky fucking dive bars where all these great bands popped up till now you're playing Yankee stadium. And, you know, in my opinion, honestly, Volbeat's the biggest rock band in the world right now. So I just got to say, congratulations, man. It's well-earned. Thank you. Thank you. Brought up a lot of, a lot of memories though for me with the, with, with all of that stuff from years ago. You know, the interesting thing with back then versus now, like there was a really, really good, healthy music scene Big you know, time. in, in uh, New York and Jersey. And, um, guess like all, all up and down the east coast really for that matter but right now it doesn't exist 
Oh, really, rock and roll is becoming almost like a niche music. I mean, New York has turned into such a such a weird city. I mean, you can't if you're if you're an artist or if you're an up and coming band, you can't afford to be in the city. No. Not only that, there's no there's no no place to play. All the all the venues closed. Right. I mean, we so played the Continental and Coney Island High and the Wetlands and Coney Island High was awesome. I loved that amazing place. place. You know, Arlene's yeah. Grocery, all, all these amazing places. Where are they going to do this now? There's there's nowhere for that now. I mean, my buddy Jesse Mallon, um, who is uh, he's the guy that I was, I was producing his record that Springsteen was singing on. Um, he's an amazing singer songwriter, but he he he's like. We call him the mayor of the Lower East Side. He kind of owns, he's got his hand in a lot of different uh, bars and, and venues and stuff. So he's trying to keep that alive. He was part He was part of Conan and I back in the day. He's got a, a new place called Bowery Electric, yep. which is kind of a small yeah. venue, but it's not, it's not the same. It's, it's, not the same it's right by where CBGB's was. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not the same capacity. It's not, it's not that kind of a venue, but I mean, they do have shows there. It's just, it's just a little bit different. In fact, I just um, saw something about Bowery Electric that they are trying to hold some fundraisers and stuff because everything that's going on, these places are losing money and they're in danger of closing up. Completely. It's, it's, New York is a mess right now. It's, it's unbelievable. It's really like, it's really sad, heartbreaking, actually. It really is. But listen, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, this was, I know, I've been trying to get you on for a few months. I'm glad we finally got it to happen. <laughs> and, cool, uh, Listen, uh, the next Volbeat record, uh, I, I, I want to see Pressure by Billy Joel. <laughs> we'll see. I'll bring it up. It's a great song. I love that song. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Rob. Um, Got it, man. Jeff, anything? Yeah, listen, same, same sentiments that Sean said, man. You know, you know, you're an unbelievably nice guy. We appreciate the time. And, you know, your music is, you know, it... it it spans out like Sean's mom can listen to it and my my kid can listen to it as as well. And the thing is, like, you guys are not pigeonholed. That's why I asked you the question, you know, how do you describe your music? And it's really hard to kind of describe. It's it's, it's just really, really good. So we really appreciate you coming on and, you know, continued Thanks. success. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This Keep seeing, brother. Rock and roll. Later, man. Take care, everybody. All right. All right, hey, listen, guys, we are back next week. We have another great guest ahead. We have comedian Jim Florentine uh, coming on the show. Uh, stay tuned for that. Sean, great guest, man. That was, a, that was a great episode. Absolutely. Had a blast doing it. And, uh, you know, on to the next one. Adam, thank you very much as usual. And we will see everybody next week. Please continue to follow us, share uh, leave a comment and we'll catch you next week. Good night, everybody. Later, guys.